Nice to see a bit more rain outside, isn't it? Are we still there? Yep. Good, let's pray. Lord, good to pray. It's always good to be with you. And uh, we thank you for the work of uh, Bible Society and uh, the great things that you're doing through Edward and, and his team. And uh, Lord, we thank you this morning that we can have your word in our possession, in our language. And uh, we're amazed at the different ways in which your word is found now on phones and computers and all kinds of apparatus, Lord. But thank you that your word's there and it's getting out amongst people all over the world. Thank you that we can be here this morning and we just ask that you'll open our eyes and our hearts as um, already we've been enjoying this precious time of worship, gazing upon you. May we gaze upon you now, Lord, as we look to you, the living word, uh, as you speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles or whatever you've got your Bible on these days, uh, I'm going to be reading just a few passages. It's a long passage uh, from Romans 15. Uh, I won't be reading the whole passage. Uh, you can do that yourself. You're most welcome to and hope you have uh, when you go home. Or you may have already. But let me just read a few verses. Romans 15 uh, from verse 8. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed and moreover that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles, I will sing the praises of your name. Again it says rejoice you Gentiles with his people. And again, praise the Lord, you all, all, sorry, all you Gentiles, let the peoples exalt him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. In him the Gentiles will hope. Praise God. And verse 13, may the God of all hope, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Magnificent words. Great place to have a benediction, isn't it? Paul, got, Paul has a number of benedictions in this passage. I'm going to flip over to um, and look at verse 30 to the end of uh, the passage. Verse 30, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me, Pray that I may be kept safe from the unbelievers in Judea and that the contribution I take to Jerusalem may be favourably received by the Lord's people there so that I may come to you with joy by God's will and in your company be refreshed. The God of peace be with you all. Amen. You may remember from last week, hope you did, from last week we travelled through Romans chapter 14 and just, just had a little bit of a... Uh, an inroad into chapter 15 and we spoke about those who were weak in their faith and then those who were strong in their faith we spoke about the fact that we should not argue over opinions or as the scripture says over disputable matters not to get into arguments about those kinds of fruitless things um, we spoke about not causing our brother or our sister in Christ to stumble that we watch our lives we watch what we do what we don't do be aware that people are watching, people are observing. We don't want to cause anyone to stumble. 
through what they see us doing, even if we might think it's innocent and we don't have a conscience against it. Uh, those kinds of things we spoke about. We spoke about accepting one another. Accepting one another even as Christ has accepted us. You want to know what acceptance looks like? Then look at Jesus. Look how he's accepted you. Look how he's accepted me. Is he not our supreme model, our supreme role model of what acceptance really looks like? No wonder Jesus says, follow me, follow him. That's what we need to do. And then Paul brings it all together with this, again, this wonderful benediction um, from Romans 15 and verses 5 to 7. He says this, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. There it is again. Look at Jesus. So that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then in verse 7, accept one another then, just as Christ has accepted you in order to bring praise to God. And then as we look at this next section now, um, verses from verses 8 to 33, Paul, it seems to me, continues this similar theme of acceptance and of unity, again because of who Christ is and what he has done. Who he is, what he has done, even for the Jews, even for the Gentiles, which we are, the non-Jews, Gentiles. Look at verses 8 and 9, Romans 15. I, for I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed and moreover that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles <clears throat> I will sing the praises of your name so what has Christ done well, in this passage in Romans 15, Paul says in verse 8, Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth. A servant, the king of kings, a servant. Yep. And he even says this himself. He confirms this very fact of servanthood uh, when he spoke with his disciples. And I'm sure you know these verses well. At the Last Supper, for example, in Luke 22, 27, Jesus says this, For who is greater, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who sits at the table? And then he says, But I am among you as one who serves. I think there's something significant about that. I am, the great I am, is among you as one who serves. And then Jesus says in Matthew 20, 28, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Magnificent words. And can you see in these, these scriptures that we've just read, do you see how Jesus lifted this, this, this profile of servants, of service? Um, and I believe this, 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 uh, he lifted this perceived, if not a despised role, almost a despised role of serving. 
He lifted this to a place of honour and greatness. Simply, yet profoundly by what he said and by what he did. Do you see that? As he served them. As he served them. And not only as he served them, but we know in the Last Supper, as he washed their feet. Look how Jesus lifted this whole role of service, of servanthood, to something to be exalted, something great and honourable for us to do as his servants. Leon Morris, (coughs) he says this, Jesus is not saying that if his followers wish to rise to great heights in the church, (coughs) pardon me, they must first prove themselves in lowly places, and some have that set kind of mentality. Some have that view. You want, to be, you want to rise to some great place in the church? I'm not sure what a great place the church is. Well, you've got to start off by doing this sort of thing, you know. You've got to start off with the apprentice type stuff. Some have that mentality. This is not right. Let me read it again. Jesus is not saying, he's not saying that if his followers wish to rise to great heights in the church, they must first prove themselves in lowly places. He is saying, Jesus is saying, That faithful service in lowly places is of itself true greatness. Amen. Do you believe that? I sure do. I hope we all do here. So praise God for you. For you who know the Lord and who serve in this church. Or who serve in whatever capacity. Praise God for you. Because you need to know that you're serving the Lord Jesus himself. When you serve in his name. Nothing's menial when you do it for him. But Paul also went on to say about Christ in verse 8. He says, so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed. And in Romans 9, Paul brings out this truth. By saying in in, in words of great power and passion um, and, and emotion, conviction. Listen to his heart as as I read these words from Romans 9 about his own people. He says this, Romans 9, 1 to 5. I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people. Those of my own race, the people of Israel... Theirs is the adoption to sonship. There's the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs. And from them is traced the human ancestry of the Messiah, who is God over all, forever praised. Amen, he says. Mighty words, great words. He is the God over all, including the Gentiles. And that means you and me. You and me, who were not part of the covenants made to Israel that Paul refers to here in in, in Romans chapter 9. We have only God's mercy to thank and to glorify him for. And that now, now we are included Now we are included in the new covenant in Christ through his own blood. Paul explains this further here in Ephesians 2. 
when he says this, verses 12 and 13, he says, Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of promise. And listen to this. Without hope and without God in the world. Without hope and without God in the world. Now listen to the mercy part of this well, this passage that I'm reading from in Ephesians 2. Listen to the mercy part of that here in verse 13. He says, but now. He didn't end without hope and without God in the world. There's more to the story, praise God. And it's this, verse 13. But now in Christ, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Fantastic. Thank you, Lord. That you didn't forget us. Thank you that you didn't leave us in that hopeless state. But that you sent Jesus. And now we belong to him because of his shed blood. And you see, this is the message that Paul has in Romans 15 and verse 9. This message of mercy that he has toward us. Verse 9. And moreover, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing the praises of your name. J.A. Whitmer, one of the commentators, he says this. Any spiritual blessings that come to the Gentiles, us, spring solely from the mercy of God. Nevertheless, nevertheless, God eternally purposed to bless the Gentiles spiritually through the Lord Jesus as their Messiah and through his covenants with Israel. And we know that. We were going to be blessed through them. Blessed to be a blessing. Have a look at Genesis 12, 3. And then John 4, 22. And how thankful we are. How thankful we need to be for God's mercy toward us. Have you ever asked the question? Good to do that sometimes. Where would you and I be today? If the Lord had not extended his mercy toward us. Mercy. Someone once described <clears throat> mercy as <clears throat> God withholding the things that we do deserve. What do we deserve from God? Well, only his wrath and condemnation. God withholding what we do deserve from him. <clears throat> Pardon me. And if, if you're here today. And you know that you're in that place where you don't yet know Christ or as the Apostle Paul describes where we all were once and that is without hope and without God in the world. If you're in that place today and if you're still there now, then receive God's mercy. Receive God's mercy. He's offering it to you this morning. <clears throat> and it's only found in Jesus Christ who died on the cross for you. And shed his blood. Here's a thought. Why not make that verse your own this morning? The verse I just read. Make that verse from God's word yours today. And it's this. Verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Ephesians 2.13. Mark it down. Make it yours if you're still in that space today of being without God and without hope in the world, 
there's no reason for you to be there, is what I'm simply saying to you. Do you hear that this morning? No reason in the world that you need to still be there. <clears throat> so in Romans 15, we have these four quotations that come to us, verses 9 to 12 from the Old Testament, where God is glorified for his mercy. You can read those. We've read them through. And as I look at these Old Testament scriptures, I have to say, I get the distinct impression that we have a God who is exalted, excited and full of joy about including you and me into his eternal covenant. Do you pick that up this morning as you read that? We have a God who is exuberant, a God who is excited to include you and me. That we might be with him, that we might be one with all people in Christ, one together, all one with him forever. Through the sacrifice on the cross of his only beloved begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then it all culminates together in another benediction that Paul gives us in Romans 15 verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow look at these amazing words <laughs> that you may overflow with hope by the power of the holy spirit so dear friends here this morning be filled with awe be filled with wonder and thankfulness to god for what he's done for us the things that we deserve, he kept back from us. The things that we didn't deserve, he bestowed upon us. That's what grace does. Look what God has done for us. And then I want us to come briefly to look at what, what not only what he has done for us, but look at who he is. Look at who he is. From this passage, from this passage in Romans 15 this morning. Did you notice, for example, in verse 13... But Paul calls him the God of hope. Did you see that? The God of hope. He's the God of hope. He happens to be the author of hope. And in fact, we need to be so, so aware this morning. We need to be so aware this morning that apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no hope apart from Jesus there's no hope for, for any for all humankind no hope hence that very passage that I read from in Ephesians 2 verses 12 to 13 did you hear those words remember that at, at that time you were separate from Christ excluded from citizenship in Israel foreigners to the covenant of the promise that's where you were and then he says you were without hope and without God in the world that's where we all were some of us may still be there now as I said you don't have to remain there make a choice this morning and the world speaks of hope yeah the world speaks of hope but it's a false hope its foundations will surely crumble for the world's hope is not founded on Christ, who is the true rock, the rock of ages, the chief cornerstone. The world's hope isn't founded on him. 
but it's on shifting sand. You wouldn't build anything on sand, particularly near the beach at the moment. Human beings need hope. You need hope. Some of you have heard this story. Um, not sure if anyone would remember the event, but you'll certainly remember this story. Years ago about the S4 submarine that sank after it collided with a ship. It sank with all hands on deck. <clears throat> the crew, the entire crew, were all trapped. And ships rushed to the scene um, to try and help and do what they could. It was off the coast of Massachusetts. The story says, we don't know what, what took place down in that sunken submarine. But we can be sure that the men clung bravely to life as the oxygen slowly gave out. They sent divers down. As a diver went down, he put his head to the side of the submarine, his helmeted head, and he could hear someone tap, tapping on the submarine. Sorry about all this noise. This distracting. Are we still there? Sorry about that. I'm having opposition this morning. Yeah, I better use that one, Michael. Thanks. One, two, it's still there. So you still put that picture that I've got <clears throat> that I've painted to you. <clears throat> Submarine, the S4 gets sucked, gets hit by a ship, it sinks. All hands are on deck. And we don't know what took place down there amongst the crew. I wonder if there were Christians on board. I reckon there could have been. So a diver goes down, he puts his head up against the submarine and someone obviously knows Morse code and he's tapping on the side of the submarine in Morse code and the words he tapped out is, is there any hope? And the captain of the, of the, uh, the salvaging, the, the rescue crew, sent a message back down saying, yes, there is hope, we're doing all that we can. They were his words. It wasn't good enough. It didn't work. And all those guys perished. You know, and I wonder how many people <clears throat> you might know today who are asking that same question in one way or another, is there any hope? And we know that the suicide rate amongst all ages is all over the place. It goes up. Is there any hope? And we want to say this morning, absolutely, uncategorically, yes, there is hope. There is hope. He's the God of hope and he's amongst us this morning. And what I love about Christ is the author of all true hope is that he creates hope in the midst of despair. Maybe you're in that place today where you feel despondent, where things just aren't working out for you. I want to tell you that Christ, the author of hope, the God of hope, creates hope in the midst of despair. The most despondent and even most guilty, when they turn their eyes upon Jesus, they discover that he lifts them up 
He lifts them up. He sets them free and fills them with his true eternal hope. That's what Jesus does. So many of you can testify that, about that today. I could testify if I had the time. I'd share a bit more, but I don't have that time. But he's the one who gives us hope. In the scriptures, well, look at that beautiful picture in the scriptures. Here the thief on the cross next to Jesus. Listen to his testimony beside Jesus. Hear his story, his story of utter hopelessness. Until he turns his eye towards Jesus and the Holy Spirit does a work in his heart and he turns his, heart, his eyes toward Jesus and he says these words, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. From utter hopelessness to filled with hope. Filled with hope. Even in death for the believer, there is hope. And if there are any Christians on board that submarine that sunk, I believe God's Spirit would have just touched them and said, you're going to be with me soon. Hope. And so this redeemed criminal went from a place of being without hope and without God in the world to being filled with the living hope of being with the God of hope forever. I wonder if you have that absolute assurance yourself this morning. So important that you do. Colossians 1.5 and then verse 27. Let me read these to you. The faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you already have heard about in the word of truth, the gospel. There's hope in Christ. Verse 27. To them... God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery. And the mystery is, which is Christ in you. Say it with me. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. There's a book I've got at home called Paul, uh, The Dictionary of Paul and His Letters. And I want to read you something out of that quickly. Hope is an encouragement to believers in the midst of suffering. But it also prevents believers from being content with present circumstances. Hope insists that Christians wait with eager longing for the day, the great day, when all of God's promises are fulfilled. Do you have that hope this morning? I wonder if you know this God of hope yourself today. He'll transform your life. But then this same God in Romans 15, need to move along here, is also known as the God of peace. He's the God of hope. But in Romans 15, he's also the God of peace. Romans 15 verse 33, the God of peace be with you all. Amen. So this same title that Paul uses, in, uh, he uses the same title, God of peace. We'll find that all over the scripture. Romans 16 verse 20, for example, and many other passages in the scripture, you'll find this glorious title of God again, the God of peace, Prince of peace. Philippians 4, 9, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you, he says. In the Old Testament, blessing was peace be with you. The Hebrew word was shalom, peace be with you. You remember how the Lord Jesus Christ himself, after his resurrection, he came and he stood amongst a, a despondent group of disciples and he said, peace be with you, peace be with you. He's the God of peace. He's the Prince of peace. 
and as it is for hope, in that you won't know true hope in your life without the God of hope, so it is with peace. You won't find true peace apart from the God of peace, the Prince of Peace in your life. Yet humankind cries out for peace, doesn't it? Don't we cry out for peace? The world cries out for peace. Peace from wars, peace from suffering, peace from the demands of work, peace in my home life, peace in my marriage, peace in my family, peace in my church, peace in my neighbourhood. Just peace. I need peace from the general torments and pressures of life. Perhaps you can relate to one of those scenarios there. So can I ask you this morning, have you found true lasting peace in your life? Do you know the God of peace that Paul talks about here in Romans 15? Do you know the one called the Prince of Peace? Because I've got to tell you this morning, try as you will, you won't find peace until you meet the God of peace who in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ comes to you and he says these words over you. Listen to these beautiful words that Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Let not your hearts be troubled. Do not let them be afraid. If you don't know that verse underline, it comes from John 14, 27. Should be one that you should know. Write down, underline, read it often. We need to have that assurance. The Prince of Peace is in our midst. And the world, of course, will offer you its own version of peace. Jesus hints on that when he says, I do not give to you as the world gives. It's kind of peace. And as many of us know, because you've been there, the peace that the world gives doesn't last. It's fragile. It's circumstantial. It comes and it goes. It's up and down. It simply doesn't work. Listen to what Warren Wearsby says. Life is full of disturbances. Is that true? Life is full of disturbances. Without our fightings, within our fears, there is no peace. A dozen open doors beckon us to some kind of peace. Escape, entertainment, alcohol, sex, drugs, hard work. And we run from door to door to another hoping to find true peace. What we need is Jesus Christ for his name is Prince of Peace. And that takes care of the circumstances and the disturbances of life. Do you know the Prince of Peace in your heart today? In view of our time this morning, which is getting away from us pretty quickly, and to bring things to a close, we see Paul here in verses 14 to 33 sharing his heart. Now that he knows what God has done. He knows what he got. He knows who he is. We've got to share this news with others. And that's what Paul's talking about. He shares his heart regarding his missionary ambitions. We've got to get this story out. This truth, this life-transforming truth. It is not good that we keep it to ourselves. It's got to be given out. And Paul's saying that. 
And as well as that, he calls prayer for his people because he knows, and don't we know, that when you want to share the gospel, that when you mean fair income business with God, you will come into all kinds of opposition. And Paul knew that. And he knew what was ahead of him. And he knew the opposition that he'd face. So he says, pray for me. And we need to pray for one another in our own missions in life. Let me read a couple of verses Romans 15, so, verse 19, so from Jerusalem all the way around to Elycrum, I think I've got that word right, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. He says, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known. God, we might have that ambition too. So that I would be not building on someone else's foundation. Verse 30, I urge you brothers and sisters by the Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. And it is a struggle, you can't deny that. May God give us his strength and his conviction and his passion like Paul had. Folks, aren't we grateful for the gospel of Christ today? Are we grateful? Are we not so grateful and for what the Lord has done for us and for, for who he is to us, that he transforms our lives? And this same gospel that so gripped the heart of the Apostle Paul and overflowed with a compelling to share it with others, may it be our prayer this morning, please God, that it would grip us. Please, that we be excited about this gospel that changes lives. Grip us with it, Lord. Let it overflow and compel us to pray and to press on in our mission, ambitions. Do you have a mission ambition for Christ today? Could I just add a little PS as I close? Please pray for and plan to be part of the Alpha Course that we have coming up very soon for, and for all the ministries of our church that impact the lives of not only people here in this church but those outside the doors of our church as well. Please pray for those ministries that are reaching people for Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Uh, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for, for all that you have done for us. Thank you for showing us mercy. Thank you for giving us the gospel. Thank you for including us into your family of faith through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for who Jesus is. He's the God of hope. He's the God of peace. Yeah, and he's also the God of patience. We thank you this morning for all that you mean to us. Lord, we pray, fill us with your joy, peace, hope. And then, Lord, use us as your ambassadors, we pray, to share this good news with those around us who need to know that Jesus transforms human lives and it's forever. Thank you, Father. Help us to be a living gospel where we live and where we work, where we move amongst people. Use us for your glory and thank you for your presence with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.